Hi, and welcome to episode 215 of No Crying in Baseball, the frou-frou shit episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Hey there. I can't I can't wait to hear about your frou-frou holiday. You uh, oh, it's not a frou-frou holiday. It's frou-frou shit. It's it's absolutely baseball related. Oh, okay. That makes Yes. Sense. Yes. How are things at your place? Things at my place are calm. I've got to, the two college kids are still here cramming on their homework. You know, Oh. Thanksgiving is kind of a, a crazy place for for college kids. It seems like everybody was was pretty um bogged down by homework in the background in this pseudo vacation. So that was kind of a bummer. Happily not at my house. My oh, my, wow. my my college kids got to actually take a break, but they are back at school, so I have no college kids nor do I have leftovers at my house. So it's like a whole reset button has has happened. But um can I tell you about an adventure that I had with the kids? I would love to hear that. We cross trained. We went to see um the Capitals play. We went to a hockey game. And I haven't been to a hockey game since the before times. And it was wow. so much fun. I forgot how much spectacle there is in hockey. And I, I keep forgetting that hockey has the best sports noises in the world. And it was it was so much fun. So I also I got to see my first hat trick. Alex Ovechkin scored oh, a hat wow. trick. Of so all people, of course. I, of course, was wearing one of my kids' hats. And I looked over and, and Cam's like, no, <laughs> don't throw that. <laughs> I like that hat. And also we're way up in the 400, so I wouldn't have made it far. But can I tell you what did, in fact, go downhill from where we were sitting? The guy in front of me. You know, you've you've been up in the 400s at the arena in yes. D.C. It's very steep, right? Yeah. Thankfully, we were sitting mid-row because if we had been on the end and this had happened, I think there would have been broken bones. The guy in front of me was having a great old time. And I, it was after, it was like the very, towards the very end of the game, you know, they're getting the crowd going. And all of a sudden, he has disappeared because he has tucked and rolled down three rows. Wow. From and right in front of steep. me. To, right. So over people. It was packed. So he actually rolled over humans and landed across the backs and necks of the people oh my rows God. in front of us. Everybody seemed to be okay. He kind of got up like, huh, guess I'm in the wrong row. And I swear to God, I mean, I thought people were going to, like, I looked like he was there. And then all of a sudden he was rolling. And then he, it was really quite something. And and on backs and necks, that sounds potentially painful. Is this yeah. a large and like person? The, the guys that he was there with who were like, you know, maybe college age, maybe a little bit older, mm -hmm. were looking at him like, huh, so that happened. <laughs> we're like, oh, my God. Maybe a few beers in. Although yeah. that's like I'm that, when I'm on the end, I get very like vertigo feeling because sure. it's like plexiglass and like that. Ooh, that gives me heebie-jeebies. Yeah. Well, um, the, the college kids pointed out that he did, in fact, at one hand, he was double fisting hard seltzers. So uh, this is why I'm thinking that yeah. he too might have been a college kid and couldn't hold his seltzer. Yeah. <laughs> so embarrassing. But it was really quite quite a thing. I've never seen either of those things happen before. Not a hat trick, nor somebody rolling across actual humans downhill from the cheap seats. And the most important thing is the Caps won, yeah. Yeah, the second most important thing is nobody got hurt or dead yeah. from that, but the, absolutely the Caps won. So that was great. So, <laughs> yay, yay, yay cross training. That's very cool. That's right. Well, on today's show, back to baseball, we've got a whole Goldilocks situation with our 2021 boyfriends, the, you know, too big, too small, just right situations happening. Um, Wander Franco has blown up the hot stove big time. We have vocabulary words in both Spanish and English on today's show. We've got a lot of news in international baseball, and it's a big week for both individual contracts and collective bargaining. 
Hoo-hoo. So, boyfriends, uh, starting next week, we are going to be picking new baseball boyfriends. And those of you who have been with us for a while know that these are the guys that we pick in the offseason because there's something cool about them. There's something that we connect about. And we tell you some information about why we picked them. And we're going to go week by week, starting with the teams with the worst records next week and working our way up. So it seemed appropriate this week to do a little reflecting on how well we picked from last year. And um, and it's kind of all over the place. But the bottom line, I, I think that they're all good guys. Like, I think I would still have a beer with all of them. But I guess I, I got to better go through some of the highlights to make sure. Can I just um, pause to say, doesn't that make the, sure. the bar kind of low for us? That like... <laughs> You know, if guys had terrible seasons, that's, you know, that's fine as long as they weren't jerks. Yeah. Well, I think that's an, that's an okay bar, you know, yeah. to no, no assholes at the bar. And actually, I was going to say a low <laughs> bar works for me because I'm rather the bar short. No assholes yeah. at the bar. I'm sorry. Right. I interrupted. <laughs> no, no, no. And also, like, a low bar is good because that way the bartender can see me. I need a low bar. And, you know, otherwise, <laughs> I'm waving wildly up there. All right. One thing that we tend to do every year, and and this I don't think we're going to have too much control over. Sometimes we have premature picks. We pick the guys before they really get hot. And sometimes it's because of the team, like with the Red Sox and the Astros, we kind of made our own decision to not pick anybody that was involved in any of the scandals. And so that kind of, you know, whittled it down to prospects a little bit. So I picked, I mean, actually, Miguel Amaya for the Cubs, I picked as a catcher because I needed a catcher, but it did nothing for me because he never played. So you still needed a catcher as a turnout. Yeah, yeah, right. (laughs) So I've got to learn that it's not just the position, it's the likelihood of him coming up. So I'll keep an eye on him next year to see if he actually makes it to the Cubs, but I don't think he made it beyond double A this year. Jeter Downs was my Red Sox pick. And I'm excited because he's, 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 um, what do you call saved? Uh, when, when they don't, when he's on the protected. 40 men protected, yep. that's it. Protected. He's protected for next year. We, we don't know about his faith. So saying that he's saved really is <laughs> right. neither here nor there. Maybe you yeah. do know about it, but yeah. No, no, not, not exactly. But I know that he'll be around next year. So even though he didn't do anything for me with baseball boyfriend points this year, he's made the 40 man for 22. And so I'm excited to see what happens with D- Jeter Downs. Uh, Jose Siri, which was my Astros pick because I had to do, you know, somebody who wasn't involved in stuff. He was only up for 21 games, but in those 21 games, he batted 304. So I'm right. hoping that Jose Siri next year, we get to see some cool things from. Similar, Santiago Espinal. This was his second year that he had some games up. So I was hoping it was going to be more. He was up for 92 games. In those 92 games, he batted 311. So I'm thinking that would have been a good one for me to save for next year. And then my last premature pick for this year was Mauricio Dubon. For, oh, and just to go back on the team, I don't think I said uh, Espinal's with Toronto. Dubon is with the Giants, and he was up at the beginning, so I thought that it wasn't a premature pick, but then he was sent down at the end of June, didn't come up again until September, and then was a little yo-yo up, up and down a little bit. I think he did get some playoff action, but... He, I think, and, and I remember our, our West Coast correspondent, Deborah, was saying that Dubon is more likely to be seeing more playing time next year. So those were my picks of good guys, but not at the right time. And then there were my picks of good guys, but not in the right place. Perhaps <laughs> a lot of movement. So one, one challenge for us is that we can only have one guy per team. And then when these guys move around, we have to do a little bit of shuffling because then we have to maybe drop another guy because we can't have two guys on the same team on our fantasy team. 
So I had to do a little moving around. Frenchie Cordero, I had picked when the Royals, I was happy when he came to the Red Sox because at least he was playing. Jeter Downs wasn't, but then he wasn't. He spent most of the time at, at AAA. Now he's actually doing really well in Leonis Escogido, but didn't help me with my baseball boyfriend team for this season. Willie Adamas, however, fascinating because he was kind of in the mediocre, in the very mediocre territory when he was with Tampa. And then when he got traded, he like burst the Brewers open. And he he went from a 197 average in, in Tampa to 285 with the Brewers. Um, and he actually got a bunch of MVP votes. He was 16th, which, you know, isn't close to winning, but it but it's getting it. MVP votes, right. period, right? Exactly. It's, it's it's showing that some other folks besides me saw the, the good in Willie Adonis. Yeah. Um, other guys on the move, Jose Iglesias, went from the Angels to the Red Sox. I've got this, like, Red Sox magnet thing, too. Surprising no one. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a sign of a good baseball boyfriend. Cesar Hernandez, who I should have been paying more attention to because he was getting me a lot of points in the beginning when he was on Cleveland. And right. then next thing, he, he was on the White Sox. And I think we talked about it, you know, midseason, but a little bit late. And I didn't follow him enough on the White Sox. Sad to see that. And then Rio Ruiz, I picked for the O's and he moved over to the Rockies. So those were my guys on the move. And then there's the absolute shit luck. Like here's, I thought I had a ringer pick here. I picked yeah, Kyle Lewis, yeah. rookie of the year last year with the Mariners, looking good. He only made it 36 games before Oof. tearing his meniscus. And I'm concerned. I, I mean, I'm hoping that he bounces back next year, but that was one of those, like, I thought I was doing this real, you know, easy pick. And you never know. Baseball, right? You just never know. One guy that I think was under most people's radar was Isaiah Kiner Falefa for the for the Rangers because the Rangers are under, you know, nobody's paying too much attention, but he actually had a super hot season despite the rest of his team. He in the in the Sabre defensive index for shortstops, he came in third behind Carlos Correa and Andleton Simmons, coincidentally all both former both of them are former baseball boyfriend picks for me. Also, you know, and this is what I'm going to look at with the, the next couple of guys that I talk about. Our baseball boyfriends have to be good beyond the field. And part of that is doing good. Like Patty and I like the guys who help out the community, who pitch in, who do good things. And Isaiah Keener Falefa was part of a group, oppressive group of Texas Rangers who did a Thanksgiving turkey distribution for the nice. Youth Academy. Oh, that's yeah. great. And there was a quote from him that this, and again, this is like another, like, check it off our list. It wasn't a one-time thing. He's been involved with them over the years. And he said that he's a member of the community. He wants to build the community. So yay for Kina Falefa. Also, Max Kepler, if you look back to when I picked him back in episode 176, one of the reasons why I picked him is because he was going back to Germany and developing youth. And sure enough, MLB had an article just a few days ago about him with, with a minor leaguer, Marcus Solbach, who apparently is the only other one in the MLB system from Germany, that they went back to Germany and they led classes for 10 to 13 year olds and also hung out with the soccer club and uh, <laughs> did their did their little like little bit of humility and trying to play soccer with them. And the interesting thing I thought about that was Solbeck commented about Americans being more diverse in their sport, in their athletic ability, because they're using more parts of their body and that the, he felt like this concentration on soccer was like, oh. yeah, your legs are coordinated, but you're not doing much with your hands most of the time. And he felt like, you know, just the variety of sports that we have here 
gives more opportunities. Just an interesting thing to think about. Yep. And then the last good guy note that I'm going to say is my Yankees boyfriend, which always feels weird to say out loud, but Gio Urshela, a Colombian who's with the Yankees. He recently got married, or he's, uh, yeah, he just got married to Donna Delgado, but also the good guy part is that he adopted an elementary school in the Bronx. And he, this is another one that he's been doing it over the season. So isn't not just a one-time thing, but he recently visited them and gave them all special bobbleheads, but he does have a relationship (laughs) with the kids there. So that is a very cool thing. While we're in New York, my last little boyfriend bit is why are the Mets stealing my boyfriends? So two of my boyfriends that I had picked in other places, again, on the move, Eduardo Escobar, who I originally picked with the D-backs, he went to the Brewers, and now he's on a two-year, $20 million contract with the Mets. And Mark Kanha from the A's is also recently signed. And so so those are two of the three, Starling Marte was the third, but three big Mets signings showing that they mean business. They're putting, trying to put something together now after their problematic last year, to say the least. And and Escobar, I loved him for a variety of reasons. One was his uh, locker locker room enthusiasm. He was leading all those dances with the D-backs. So, of course, that's like extra points for me. But also, he's super versatile. He's a switch hitter. He plays the whole infield. He's a smart, smart pick. And then Kanha is a really good, like, balance for that because he can play the whole outfield so with just a couple of picks i think the mets are maybe putting some stuff together but whether that works is uh to be determined but those are the guys that i checked up on i, I think i missed a bunch but that, that yeah that's i also did I not get. yeah I'm, I'm not checking in on, on all the guys i just i have a couple for each of my categories which are too soon too sad and just right So for too soon, there's three guys that I probably should have waited, probably should have waited till next year. Um, uh, Jared Kelnick for the Mariners. He started super poorly uh, with lots of fanfare, got sent down super fast. But when he came back up in July, he ended strong. He was the youngest Mariner to have a two home run game since A-Rod. So he's going in the right direction, but it was a super slow start. So again, next year, he'll be like, he'll be on it. For the Angels, I had Joe Adele, who didn't come up until August. So that is super late. He had a couple of bright spots in there, but then he ended his season with a collision with a wall in September. But he showed improvement on his whole skill set. So all y'all out there who are going to pick boyfriends for the fantasy team, watch for those guys. And also Christian Pache for the Hammers. Um, You know, he played a bit in the 2020 season. So I thought, okay, he'll be up there, but he was not, he was mostly in the minors. He did great in the minors. He won a gold glove for the minor leagues played mostly in the triple A. He did get called up for the NLDS when um, Jorge Soler was out briefly, but then, you know, um, Soler came back. So he was not on the the world series roster, but he did, he had a home run in the postseason. So again, somebody to watch for next year. Too sad guys that didn't do what they were meant to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would say they disappointed me, but I'm sure they disappointed themselves a whole lot more. Right. One of them is Dominic Smith, my Mets boyfriend. We were just talking about the Mets and also potty mouth was talking about guys doing good and showing up in person to do good and not just, you know, funding things. And, and no kidding. Money is super important, mm-hmm. but 
Dominic Smith is one of the guys who says, you know, showing up, being there is the most important thing. So he's got a foundation called Baseball Generations, which we talked about when I first profiled him, but they actually had their second annual All-Star Classic this past weekend in Los Angeles. And that's when they bring 50 of the best high school players in the country for, you know, skill building and wow. all of that. And a bunch of his um, major league pals like Marcus Stroman and Jazz Chisholm and were all there too, also showing up and working directly with these guys. And in addition to this like high profile, 50 of the best pe- people, he, he says, we have a bunch of free showcases, free camps for inner city kids to come to free giveaways, laptop giveaways. We're wow. trying to do what we can for the community and give back. So disappointing on the field, but not as a human. So That's- way, way big boyfriend cred there. Yeah. Um, disappointing on the field. May I give you a quick list? Alec <laughs> Bum of the Phillies, who was like, you know, rookie of the year caliber the previous year, but no, mostly he did. He ended up going back to AAA for a while. Ian Happ, who makes me coffee, played great like every other month, which isn't enough. Ian, you got to yeah. do better. Um, and I would prefer that you endorsed a dark roast coffee instead of the medium <laughs> roast. I'm just saying it was fine. It was fine. Um, Anthony Alford, who was my Pirates pick, got DFA'd in April, then went down. He got um, then outright at AAA, came back up in August. So hopefully back in the the right direction. We talked last week about my Yankees boyfriend, Clint Frazier, getting DFA'd last week. And then Kristen Yelich, my um, current once and forever boyfriend, the top story, the top news story about him is new house he bought in Arizona, which is a lovely new house. But that's really, you know, that just tells you that things in baseball aren't like newsworthy for him right now. So we're just talking about his house. So the guys who were just right, and by just right, I mean, Great. Super happy that I picked them and they did super well. So Will Smith, catcher from the Dodgers, is one of three catchers, including our pals, um, Salvi Perez and Buster Posey, who had an OPS of at least um, 850 with at least 400 uh, uh, plate appearances. He had career highs um, in doubles and home runs and RBI this season, and he was a a silver slugger finalist. So yes, Will Smith. We've talked about... um, Ryan Mountcastle, who was robbed um, from the O's, who was the player's choice rookie of the year, led all rookies with 33 home runs and um, hit his 29th home run in September. And that was the home run that that set him ahead of Cal Ripken for the team rookie single season home run record. Um, wow. We're all talking about Marcus Simeon, my boyfriend from the Blue Jays, because he's one of the super high profile free agents right now that we're also we're all looking yep. for where he's going to land. And he's looking being looked at in a lot of the places that are looking at Carlos Correa because he can also do shortstop. So even though he's been second base for the Blue Jays, he's, he's versatile. So he was a finalist for, for MVP. He led all position players in war. He made the all MLB first team. He was an all-star silver slugger, third place finisher in the American League MVP voting. He set a new um, league record for home runs by a second baseman with 45, and he was a gold glove winner. So that's pretty Not good. Bad. <laughs> I think he's my star. I think by yeah. the numbers, he's my star this year. Um Cardinals, Tommy Edmond shortstop was one of the five cards who got who won a gold a gold glove this year, also the Heart and Hustle Award, and he was the second in the National League in stolen bases. Talked a lot about Jake Cronenworth over the season for the Padres because he was always doing something great. He was also an all-star, won the Heart and Hustle Award. Uh, didn't talk enough about the Royals. We skip a lot of teams in the middle, and we apologize for that. Michael A. Taylor, one of our favorite Nats, who went over to the Royals, got it, won his first gold glove, led all center fielders in the major leagues with 19 runs saved and 15 outs above average. And this is the first of many, many awards for him, I'm sure. Um, my Astros boyfriend, um, Jordan Alvarez, 
Davis, uh, designated hitter, as you may remember, was the ALCS MVP. One of my favorite, I think my favorite of my boyfriends this past year was Jesse Winker of the Reds. Um, he was also an all-star. He had two, three home run games. He only played one game after August 15th because of oh, injuries. Wow. Like he was out on rehab and he came back a little too soon, hurt himself in that one game back, went back out. But even with that reduced number of games, he still had a 305 average and hit a career high 24 home runs and 32 doubles and 77 runs and 71 RBI. And that's with a reduced number of games. My Nationals boyfriend, the CW, Andrew Stevenson, hit 319 um, as a pinch hitter and had the second most pinch hits in the major leagues with 15. And he is what we call a super two for arbitration. So remember that. And I will define that in just a few minutes. That's going to be one of your vocabulary words, a super two. That's exciting. Yeah. That's a really cool stat, too. Like, who looking at the pinch hitters. I had not paid enough attention, for he sure. He was really good off the bench this year. You know, some people don't, you know, can't. Like, they can't be, like, sitting still for a game and then just come in. They have to be, like, involved in the game the whole time. But he was able to come right off the bench. All right. And as I readjust my headset because of a small cat accident, I will continue. Um, So I want to talk just for a minute about Wander Franco, and I'm not going to say too much because I might be speaking about him in a few weeks. So when I was debating on who to pick for the Rays this year, I was so close to picking Wander Franco. And in, in a way, he wouldn't have been a premature pick because he did do a lot of good this year and he might have helped my mind up just a bit. But the good news is that he will be around to be picked for the Rays for a big chunk of the future because he just sent uh, signed a blockbuster 11-year $182 million contract Shoot. with an option for another year for another $25 million plus a bunch of incentives for getting like stuff, you know, like top five MVP votes and, and shit like that. And the weird thing about this is, I mean, there have been these blockbuster signings, right? Tatis Jr. Um, we'll see what happens. Hopefully Juan Soto is going to get one yes, pretty please. soon. But it's not typical for the Rays to do it because they're just so, so frugal. You know, they're really known for spending the least amount when the when the players get to be worth something, like look at Blake Snell, trading them away, getting in prospects. This is not normal for the Rays. So it's really interesting to think about what went behind it. It's the largest contract in Rays history. And and if you look at it also, the full the the amount of money, the hundred and no, the two the hundred and eighty-two plus twenty-five plus more, there's a there's another sum that's over two hundred million dollars. And that equals about the last four seasons payrolls for like everybody. The whole the payroll. The whole huh. payroll, like everybody. So this is not normal. He is also a new record for a player in MLB with less than one year service time to be signing in. So that's the other thing. Like Tatis had played a little bit more. Most of these players with the multi-year contracts, Bryce Harper, they had played a little more, like less than a year. He could have been, you know, I think he's still within sort of that service time finagling. I'm not sure how many. He probably played, I don't know, I need to look at how many games he played this year. Um, He did get third behind his teammate, uh, Randy Rosarena for Rookie of the Year, and Houston's Luis Garcia, but still not too shabby. So he did bat 288 over the season, but notably, in that ALDS, in the division series against the Red Sox, where the Red Sox swept the Rays, he was like a shining star for the Rays. He batted 368 
while the rest of the team did not put it together. So I have my eye on Wander Franco. Uh, maybe this year, maybe next year. Who knows? But oh, it's totally going to be this yeah, year. I know it is. Yeah, I, know there's is. so much more to t- to say about him. So to be continued. To be continued. All right. Well, along those lines about signing contracts and all of that, this is a big, important week for individual player contracts. We have what we call the tender deadline um, has been moved to November 30th, which is Tuesday, the day the show is going to drop. So you're going to know a lot of this then from December 2nd. And here's why. Um, We're going to talk a little bit later about the um, collective bargaining agreement, which the agreement needs to be made by the end of the day, 1159 on December 1st, or there will likely be a lockout. So both the players union and the and the league have agreed to move this contract deadline for individual contracts before that, so that if there is a lockout, then at least the players will know where they stand. They will know if they're going to be free agents or they're going to know if they have a contract. So hmm. teams have until the deadline to decide whether to offer contracts for next season to players with fewer than six years of major league service. This includes the pre-arbitration players and the arbitration eligible, eligible, sorry, players. And here's where your vocabulary words come in. If you're, if you've played for three years, if you have three years of service time, you are arbitration eligible, right? You're not eligible for free agency until six years, right? But there's something called a super two eligibility. So in a recent uh, CBA, I think it was 2016, uh, in the, a recent collective bargaining agreement, the union negotiated for more people to be able to be arbitration eligible sooner. So the agreement hey. was... After the three years and up, the next 22%, like the highest amount of the 22% of the players in the next group down with the highest amount of service time are also eligible, even if they haven't reached three years yet. So this year, that 22% is everybody that is, has two years and 116 days of service time. They are also available for arbitration. So eligible for arbitration. So that includes, like I said before, Andrew Stevenson and others, right? So they're not at the three-year part, but they can also start bargaining for more money. If you are not yet arbitration eligible, unless you make an agreement like Wander Franco did, like, you know, mm-hmm. extended several-year agreement, you get the league minimum, which is like $500,000 and change, which is not nothing. But if you are, you know, winning awards and contributing to, you know, your team's winning record, then you are worth a lot more than that. And they're making a lot of money off of you and you should share. So that is the super two and that's arbitration eligible and the tender deadline. So if you are not, if a player is not tendered, if they are not offered a contract for next year, they become free agents. And that doesn't mean you're a bad player. Mm -hmm. It means that the team doesn't feel like they can pay you what you're probably going to get. Right. So for instance, Kyle Schwarber and Eddie Rosario last year were both non-tendered and, you know, they both ended up in the playoffs and one of them's wearing a ring right now. So, you know, that it's, it's, it's a lot of it is, is economics, yeah. not, not necessarily an indictment of the, the ability of the player. So the contract does not have to be agreed upon. It just needs to be offered by the, the tender deadline. So you'll hear about people who were tendered and non-tendered probably at the same time that you're hearing this episode, but that's what all those things mean. Wow. I think that the 22% with the super two is hysterical because is that why it's 22 so that it's a super two? 
Or is it I'm just 100% like, sure that that is the case? There we I go. I have no idea, but I'm going to lie with those exact figures. Sure, because if you're going to have a super two, you could have lots of twos involved. In two years, the 116 doesn't go as well, but still, there's some super two going on there. I'm, I'm going to. Yeah. I love watching you do math. <laughs> as far as I get. Hi, right. I want more vocabulary words. We got the English ones. We can go into our Palabra de la Semana, our word of the week, and the cats seem to be very interested. Both cats came running over as soon as you said new vocabulary. So they, they must <laughs> They're be- They're a scholarly bunch of felines at your house. Excited about this. So we'll just do it. I'll do a quick recap on the words that we've learned so far. Our first word was imparable. Do you remember that one? That's a hit. That is. And if you watch uh, Dominican Ball, you will probably hear the word hit more than imparable, but there's also imparable. There was another word. I It was like incansable. There was another one that basically meant you can't get the ball, so it's a hit. I need, huh. to, I need to do more research and write stuff down before I talk. But imparable, a hit. Sencillo. Single. That was a single. And then the other yes. ones were doble and triple. And then quadrangular. Which is a home run which you can also pronounce jonron if you want to. And then last week we talked about a remolcada. Which is the one that I couldn't say. I don't know why I couldn't put the L in the right place, but I know that means RBI. Yes. And and, um, it can be a verb too. So it's a hit to remolcar. So if you hit somebody in, that's part of the verb to remolcar. Um, And so today I wanted to get all the stuff off the bat out of the way. And the last one, which is, is super important, when you read articles in Spanish about baseball, because whoever wins has the most carreras, which would be... Would that be the runs? That would be runs, yep. So carrera carrera is run. Uh, I think it also means a contest, but that is your word of the week in Spanish. And, uh, And I think I'll move over to batting next time, like hits and strikes. But now I think this is pretty much everything that comes off the bat. Foul, I'm pretty sure, is just foul. I'm trying. Yeah. So I know you're going to so, report back to the class. So we'll know. I will. I will come back. So check out your carrera, your carreras. And so I'll go quickly into the Dominican Republic. And last week we talked with about Yasiel Puig. Please go back to the last episode for the details because he's playing right now in the Dominican Republic with the Toros del Este. It's his second year playing with them. He is one of the guys down there trying to improve his uh, reputation and show that he can play. And he got a home run in his first game against my team, the Leones. So he is even further down on my opinion list at this point, as is Marcelo Zuna, another guy who we last talked about because he had been entered into a deal. He had been uh, arrested for assault last year. And then there was an agreement to do this diversion program, which, you know, in has a lot of results. It's it's diverting from the, the reality that there's abuse involved, but also it's diverting him from perhaps having to pay a serious penalty because he's got this whole deal of stuff he had to do, like classes and pay money. And his next court date is January 13th. And at that point, it could all get swept under the table. MLB review is still pending, actually. He was on administrative leave throughout the postseason last year, but he's down in the Dominican Republic with the Gigantes de Cibao trying to up his reputation and get back into MLB next season. And just remember, it's important to remember that MLB can still impose consequences Mm -hmm. whether or not there are criminal charges. So no matter what happens to that court appearance, the 
MLB, the, 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 the major league investigation is separate and independent. So they can impose suspensions or fines or whatever they do absolutely independently of what the courts do. So we shall see what happens. He's doing his best to get back in it. And actually, interestingly, Jose Siri is also on the Gigantes with him. And that was my Astros boyfriend that I had mentioned earlier. Interestingly, a name that you would maybe wouldn't guess going down to the Dominican Republic right now, Mike Brasso. Did I say that right? Because that's your guy, yeah? Yeah, close enough. I, I say it differently every time. So let's go with yes. Okay. He, now this is super exciting. He started with my Leones del Escogido. So he's playing in my favorite Yay. team in the DR. So we're just like stacking up these guys in this team. They really should be winning by now. Unfortunately, they're not. They're sort of in the middle of the pack. But he um, he just started this past Tuesday. And interestingly, on the day of Thanksgiving is actually the same day as no violence against women day and that and it's actually a un declaration and i'm not quite sure why we don't hear about it enough in this country but it is november what was that day 25th november 25th is international no violence against women day and it had started on that day because of an incident in the dominican republic when these three activist sisters were assassinated by the Trujillo government. And a fabulous book, Julia Alvarez and the Time of the Butterflies, uh, fictionalizes the account, but you get the, the main, main idea. And in the Dominican Republic, among other places, they do actively recognize the game. And it was a, uh, a baseball deal for the Leones del Escogido. So if you were a woman, Wearing red or wearing anything having to do with the Leones, you could get in free with somebody else who was paying a ticket. Nice. So while we were eating our turkey, they were demanding no more violence against women. And it has a, a profound and important history in the DR. Also in the DR coming up soon, and I'm really hoping that there's some way to watch this, the second annual Dia de Leyendas. And I, I remember talking about this last year. It's a fundraiser for David Ortiz, a big poppy, his children's fund that deals with paying hospital bills for children in the DR. And when he does stuff in the U.S., it's also dealing with the Massachusetts Jimmy Fund. Um but I believe all the funding from Dia de Leyendas is going to stay in the DR with the kids in the DR. And it's going to be just a whole show of stars from both the Dominican Republic and they're inviting Venezuelan players this time. Nice. I'm not quite sure what all the fun stuff is going to be. I know they're doing a, a home run derby. I think there's going to be some softball involved. But people who have already committed to going include Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Fran Mel Reyes, Nelson Cruz, Gene Segura, a whole bunch of boyfriends right there. Plus some of the older guys, Vladdy Sr. said he was going to be there, Pedro Martinez, Manny Ramirez. And then from Venezuela, some of our baseball boyfriends, Salvador Perez, Eduardo Escobar. So we'll see what happens. Check out the hashtag Dia de Leyendas 2021 to, to find out who's going on. If you check that out on, on Instagram or on Twitter, you'll find out more about it. But that's December 5th. Looking forward to it. Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun for a very good cause. Yay, yeah. big poppy. Yeah. Yay, all those guys. Like that's it's just so cool to see. And there's a lot of that going on of the guys coming together to give back, to give back and remembering where you where you came from. Uh speaking of remembering where you came from, Pablo Sandoval is is continuing to rake with the Navigantes de Magallanes in the Liga Venezuela Venezuela 
baseball profesional in Venezuela, um, the Navegantes are still in first place. They had been on a streak and they had tied their uh, franchise's history for 11 game win in a row. And my Cardinales de Lara broke it. So yay, Cardinales, for breaking that streak. (laughs) They didn't come close to the league record of 18, but that's what's going on in Venezuela. And Pablo Sandoval is still still out there and also somebody else maybe trying to make his way back. In Puerto Rico today, there were two games of the finals of the Women's League, the Liga Femenino Baseball Profesional de Puerto Rico. So they're having a, a... max five game series, but it's interesting. They're doing it with two double headers. So they played two games today and they're playing two games next Sunday. And then I don't know where game five is going to be if there happens to be a tie, but there might be because they split it today. So it's Las Artesanas de las Piedras against Las Lobas de Arecibo. And I talked about this last week, the artisans against the wolves. And uh, in the first game, it was a shutout for the Las Lobas shut out the Artesanas 9-0. to zero. But not only that, but the Lobas pitcher, Janelise Rivera, pitched a complete game one hit. So awesome. one hit away from a no-hitter wow. in the first game of the finals. The second game, the Artesanas 5-4 uh, to four, took the game and we'll – or, yeah, took the second game. And so we'll see what happens next Sunday. I'm really tired because I've been watching Taiwanese baseball for the past two days, and I'm grumpy. I'm tired and grumpy. And you know what that means? That means that the Lions lost both games. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. I'm so sorry. So we're recording this uh, episode on Sunday. And so game one was yesterday at four in the morning, and game two is this morning at four in the morning. And I'm just bright. I Did you watch, a- like, from the from the first pitch? Did you watch the whole game? Yesterday, I watched the entire game from the first pitch. This morning, oh so and I'll tell you why. So yesterday, game one, I was just all excited. Like the whole gang was back on Twitter. Everybody's watching and commenting, and it was super fun. And the starting pitchers were uh, DePala for the brothers, who's just amazing and adorable, despite the fact that he's a brother's pitcher, and Brock Dykeshorn for the Lions. And it was a pitcher's duel, and it was much, much faster than your typical CPBL game. And it was Neck and neck, like both teams stranding runners. It was totally neck and neck until the seventh inning. And they brought Brock Brock back in at over 100 pitches. Oh, And the first two, yeah, he is either really close or right over 100. The first two batters, he gave up back-to-back home runs. But And then that was it. And then they brought in, you know, in CPBL, they're always nervous to bring in the bullpen. They brought in the bullpen. The bullpen did their job. That was it. They won two. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, so I believe that that game was two to nothing. Um, this morning, however, I was a little bit groggy because of yesterday. So I got up at first pitch time and I had my phone on and I was like, you know, rubbing my eyes and getting my sweatshirt and stuff. And I looked and it was already three to nothing. No. And I was like, oh shit. It was it's like hard to motivate. It was three to nothing right away. So I might have hit the snooze button at that point, and I got up again, and it was six to nothing. And this is the second inning. So the brothers took a six to nothing lead after the second inning. At that point, I watched like half-heartedly, half-sleepily by myself in the little spare room. And at one point, I got excited. I mean, the the, the Lions just stranded runners. They stranded runners like, like crazy. Actually, they had 11 hits. On three runs, and the, they ended up with three runs in the end. The brothers won with eight runs on seven hits. 
Oh, that was efficient. So, yeah. So that's that's the key, I guess. Like you've got to get the guy all the way around to home and then you're I much hear that's how it off. works. Yeah. So yeah. I'm a little sad, but I am not um I'm not giving up hope, damn it. I we I don't know who's pitching on Tuesday, but the good news for these midweek games, so the next games are this Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, they start at 5:30 instead of 4. That's so, like sleeping in. Yeah. Yeah, and I usually get up around then for work anyway. My problem is going to be how to watch the end of the game while going to work. I haven't quite worked yeah. out those details, but I will think of something. <laughs> I'm thinking you're going to need an audio feed in your ear. Yeah, something yeah, like that. Something for sure. Like that. So stay so, tuned. Yeah. So for me this week, the thing that I'm going to be watching is uh, is labor negotiations. And mm -hmm. will we get a collective bargaining agreement or are the players going to be locked out? So here's oh, here's a little bit of new information. I know, as we've said before, the, the deadline is, you know, 11.59 p.m. on December 1st. And so if that, if that doesn't happen, then December 2nd, there is a lockout. Um the lead negotiator for the union is named Bruce Meyer, and there's a really good profile of him in The Athletic. But that is where um, my my joke at the beginning of the episode about I don't have time for this frou-frou shit came on. That's exactly the line. That's how the article opens, and that's said by Max Scherzer. And he's oh. basically talking about how um, like no-nonsense this guy Bruce Meyer is as a negotiator. Is, so Max is like – I don't have time for this frou-frou shit because I got a job. I got a family. I got things to do. I don't need the small talk. I just need to get this done. And it's important to get this done. These are people's livelihoods. And so if Max thinks that highly of this guy, I feel pretty confident that um, the union is well represented. Um, the first three players from the executive committee that they um, that they quote are all pitchers. So we're back to, you know, the very pitcher heavy representative committee, but that's okay. We like those guys. Mm -hmm. um, the, the players union just put out a guide for agents, but it's basically how to help your players if there is a lockout that kind of explains what does this oh. mean for you? For instance, fun facts, like you are still eligible to play in an international league or an independent league if, you know, major league baseball locks you out. That just, you know, means you can't, can, you know, work with, you know, major league baseball hmm. tasks, functions, events, anything. Um it doesn't affect the minor league season. Remember, the minor league players are not represented by the by this union or any union. So no matter what happens with this lockout, it won't affect the minor league season. So if you are a minor league player on the 40-man roster, you can play if you know there's still a lockout going on in the majors, but the minor league season starts. You could not, however, if you're on the, the active roster for a major league team, you couldn't be like demoted during a lockout in order to get you to the minors so you can get some playing time in. <laughs> okay. None of that funny business is going to go on, right? If you are on the 40 man, but you're, you know, and you're mm -hmm. in the minors, you can proceed business as usual, as all the owners were saying, or all the general managers were saying a couple of weeks ago. Um, health coverage is planned to continue for everybody on the 40 man roster um, until I guess the end of March when like the, the, season is supposed is scheduled to start. Um, and I think there is a fund to help players financially if they run into trouble, including like interest-free loans. And, and, you know, they've, they've got, you know, they, they, they've got like a strike fund to help cover, help cover insurance. If it goes on too long, help get some payment. It's not going to be what your gigantic many zero contract is, but no one's going to go hungry during this time for sure. Um, 
there's also an immigration aspect to this. International players who are already here on a visa can stay without there's a couple of different kinds of visas, but in general, the kinds of visas that these guys come on, they would be okay with a work stoppage. But if they are still overseas, when a lockout happens, their visa could be revoked. So I don't know if that means they should get here. So they're covered by all of these, you know, other protections or, or what that is, but yeah. So they, yeah, it's, it's one way or the other. You're either staying home in your home country until this is resolved or, you, you got to get here now. It sounds like they need, happens. they need a good immigration lawyer. I've went to I've went to suggest if any baseball players out there are listening in need of an immigration lawyer, hit me up. I know. Can I just say that is that immigration lawyer helping to sponsor the? Yeah, actually, he is helping <laughs> to sponsor the podcast. As it turns out, yeah, often, often, often for sure. Um, and this guide ends with a very good, quick summary of the the most important things that they're looking for in this collective bargaining agreement. And I'm just going to run through that one through four list super fast. So remember, this is what we're looking for here: incentivizing competition, right? Anti tanking things that prevent tanking, um, ensuring the most talented players are on the field, which means quit messing with service time, hmm. right? Yeah. Reducing artificial constraints on competition, which is things like the luxury tax, the salary cap, things like that. Um, and also the draft compensation, like, oh, you do, you know, you, this, this goes badly for you or you underpay somebody. Yay. Look at you. You get a, I get a, a draft pick. No. And mm. lastly, getting players their value earlier in their career. We talked about this too, whether it's getting guys to free agency sooner or increasing, you know, or getting them to arbitration sooner. But as you've seen, most of these guys are most productive in their twenties and most of them don't, aren't eligible for free agency until they're, they're past that. And for some, some free agent contracts are starting to dry up. They're not these gigantic things anymore. So how do we, how do we fix it? How do we get the guys to be compensated for when they are contributing the most? So those are the four things, competition, most talented players in the field, reducing constraints and getting players paid sooner. So keep an eye on that. Things are going to happen this week. It might be messy. It might be miraculous. Who knows, but it's going to be something. It's scary. That's the day after the show drops, right? December 1st. Yeah. I see people seem very bleak about this, like sort of assuming that it's a, it's a gonna happen. That the, the, the lockout's gonna the happen. Lockout's gonna happen. Yeah, very likely. I don't think, I mean, they're, they're negotiating every single day. You know, there, there's behind closed doors meetings with, you know, both sides of this, but I think they're just still pretty far apart because they have absolutely diametrically opposed wants and needs. Wow. So, All right. Well, you, know. you get to dig into that labor, labor backgrounds as we continue our coverage over the next couple of weeks of whatever craziness happens. Yeah. So lots of stuff to watch this week. I mean, aside from you know, labor upheaval and, and, and tender contracts and all of that. What else is there? What do you got going on? Anything else? This week? Oh, it just feels like a harsh like back to reality. I'm not excited about going back to work tomorrow. I'm going to watch, I'm going to be watching baseball early yeah, in the are. morning and then also in the afternoons. There's so much baseball going on to watch. So people, if you're not watching now, please, get, you know, check it, check it out. We've got, we've got links. We can help you. We can't help you. And also, I'm also going to endorse cross-training with other sports. I had so much fun at the hockey game. I, cool. I jokingly texted Potty Mouse saying hockey is my favorite sport, which, you know, <laughs> over the course of things, it is not. But it was so great to be there. You know, go see basketball. Go see hockey. Go see whatever you feel comfortable being in a crowd right. with. 
for sure. I mean, it was kind of packed and uh, we were among the fewer people wearing masks. Um, oh, wow. So yeah, it was a, quite a thing. So being up high was also good, but it's really fun to go see live sports. So if you feel comfortable doing it and you can, it doesn't always have to be baseball. You know, it, just like you, you want to exercise different parts of your body, you want to exercise different parts of your fandom. Right. Go see some sports. Go see um, sports. We're gonna, we're going to do some research on boyfriends. We'll be back next week with our very first boyfriends for the 2022 season, including the Orioles and the Diamondbacks. I'm very excited. Yeah. And and those of you who are longtime listeners, the Patty's Orioles pick should be absolutely no surprise. I'm not giving it away right now. Go back and listen to back episodes if you don't know what I'm talking about. Sure enough. And boy, my kid is not happy with me because my kid <laughs> wants that pick for the fantasy team. And sorry. Too bad. Sorry. Get your own podcast. I believe I said the words, get your own damn podcast. Oh, oh you made business. All right. I, I did. I did. Hey, and if you like this damn podcast, please <laughs> tell your family and friends. I hope you did that over Thanksgiving when you sat around the the, the table eating your, your turkey or tofurkey, depending on which table you were at, um, saying, hey, what are you doing on your spare time while I'm listening to No Crying in Baseball? You should, too. Um, Check out some back episodes. Leave us a rating or review if you can, because that certainly helps us out. And always find us on social media. Hang out with us on Twitter, NCIB Podcast, Facebook and Instagram are no crying in b-ball. Please get your booster shot if you haven't already. And as always, fight the man. And until next week, say goodnight, potty mouth. Good night, potty mouth. I mean, you know, we <laughs> might be we might be funny and you could miss it. <laughs> yep. That's what happens.